Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. And I believe it's all retired this evening. We have Chief John Newman, uh, Captain Brett Bartlett, uh, Corporal David D. Agresta, Officer Andre Casal, and new addition, uh, former FBI agent, uh, we have a drum roll, please, Brian Kensel, and also uh, producer Will Stasser. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. Appreciate it. Hey, also a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, we have Extra Duty Solutions, Column Case Management, GunLearn.com, Verting Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. And we're on the Boss Hog Radio Network, Good Talk Radio, back on Good Talk Radio, and WBCF in Alabama. And we're now on live TV, live free TV, and powered by Pexip. So more information about all those later. Um, guys, we have an interesting lineup, but first, you know, since, um, a few of us are in Tampa. I would love to just, just. I know John, you're probably beside yourself um, during the uh, the Super Bowl, and of course, Tampa Bay Bucks took it. Um, I, I must confess that for the last few years, I have not been watching NFL football when they started taking the knee, and it's just driven me crazy. But anyhow, two weeks ago, when the Bucks were in contention in the playoff game, I decided to watch it. Very happy that I did. And then, of course, Kansas City Chiefs. And then I immediately thought of a guy named, you know, uh, Jimmy Menendez that a lot of us work, worked with. And he's a Kansas City fanatic. And I was sending text messages to Jimmy. He finally answered me saying, go, go Chiefs. I didn't last long. And uh, I, I took everything I, I could to resist, you know, um, texting him. Because, of course, they never got a touchdown, but but we had plenty of touchdowns. So, uh, anyhow. But anyhow, any comments on the game? Uh I was at my neighbor's house, and uh, but it was it was exciting stuff. Captain Bartlett, uh, the flyover was nice. Yeah, yeah, one of, uh, one bomber, what one of three bombers each, huh? So three different types, so including the stealth. So yeah, pretty sweet stuff. So, um, Brian, yeah, you mentioned no touchdowns, but the uh, word I heard today, the only touchdown the Chiefs had here at, in Tampa was uh, at Tampa International. <laughs> they made all all weekend. That's pretty sad. Well, at least it was not in police reports because I always worry when the players come in the town, you know, that, you know, some of them might get jammed up, you know. So, uh, and, you know, at least we, I haven't I haven't heard of any stories. You know, some of you guys might know some stuff behind the scenes and hopefully it all, got all cleared up. But if there's uh, nobody else, then we'll get moving to our uh, first topic then. And like I said, we've got, um, uh, you know, some interesting stuff now. I, unfortunately, now I, I, I'm happy that we have Brian um, on the uh, on the show, he's former FBI, but unfortunately, um, you know, we're talking about uh, the killing of two FBI agents. So I'm taking this article from Police One. We're going to start off with this. It's it's hot in the news right now. There's a lot of coverage on it. Constantly new information coming out about it. Um, the uh, one of the many titles um, that we've seen on Police One: gunmen ambushed, slain FBI agents with doorbell camera. Police say. Um, now uh, the it talks about in Sunrise, Florida, but. They reference it as the bloodiest day for the FBI in decades. Two veteran agents were shot to death and three others wounded on Tuesday morning when a gunman opened fire. And um, if I can get, Ken, for you to mute your microphone, thank you until I'm done with the article here. But a gunman opened fires from inside his home as they attempted to serve a search warrant at an apartment in Sunrise as part of a says that David uh, Hoover, 55 years old, computer technician with no criminal record, he gunned down agents Laura, uh, 
Schwarzenberger and Daniel Alton. Now, Lore was 43 years old. Daniel's only 36. And they and the guy, the bad guy, wounded three other FBI agents. He killed himself after that. The agency has not said whether his camera had a motion detector that would explain why he appeared to be waiting for the agents. And um, man, it was a yeah, it was a just a a horrible story. Um, FBI special agent in charge, George Pyro, in a statement read on Tuesday evening at the FBI's Miramar field office, he did not address why the FBI's tactical unit was not deployed to assist in the raid, uh, but they did say that FBI Miami conducts search warrants almost daily, and they're an essential important part of the process. They thoroughly research and meticulously plan for threats, dangers, that kind of stuff, and the vast majority of the warrants, of course, um, occur without incident. Uh, the FBI um, had not provided details of the case against the gunman, other than to say that he was suspected of uh, possessing illegal graphic images of children. The case is being investigated by the FBI's Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force and supervised by the prosecutors uh, that are based in Fort Lauderdale. And further information says the FBI obtained an Internet protocol address, IP um, address for the suspect's computer from an Internet service provider matched to the physical location and they that's when they decided to do the raid on the suspect's home and depending on the evidence they found the fbi and the federal prosecutors uh, could file a criminal complaint charging him with uh, child pornography whatever and after the shooting um, or after shooting the agents the suspect barricaded himself inside the apartment the fbi called uh, backup and a heavily armed tactical SWAT team unit was actually, it was a Broward SWAT team. They were actually in the area assisting on another uh, child porn suspect um, search warrant, I believe. And uh, so they rushed to the scene. They helped extract one of the wounded agents. Authorities are investigating whether this bad guy used his doorbell security camera to ambush. And he, they also said, um, Brian, I know we were talking about it a, a couple of days ago. He actually had a high powered rifle firing through the door as you suspected. As the team neared his home, the search uh, for the computer. Um, so that's what we have so far, uh, Brian. I'm going to let you go first on this, and then I'll bring up a, a U.S. Marshal a similar incident that happened. But go, go ahead, Brian. The floor is yours, and we got five and a half minutes. Okay, thanks. Florida has the uh, third largest number of uh, child porn and child trafficking cases in the country, so we've got a real issue here especially this last weekend during the Super Bowl, that was a problem uh, The Tampa PD was hitting pretty hard. Uh, that's what this task force called innocent images that began decades ago in uh, Baltimore. Was every field office has an innocent, innocent images task force that looks at the, the absolute worst videos and pictures and, I mean, just the scum of the earth. You can't imagine they they have to get psychologically checked every now and then and stuff just because of the the horrors that they deal with every single day, and that's what these two agents, uh, Laura and Dan, were doing for some years, and it had uh, some worldwide successes in their histories. Uh, cases that had brought down nine hundred, or had recovered rather nine hundred kids worldwide in. Uh, but Brian, do you have a pen 
Any uh, any insight, Brian? Though into the, I mean, I, I don't. I'm assuming that they just do so many warrants that it's just logistically difficult to have a a SWAT team there when they're when they're doing all these warrants. And I know that there's different divisions of the FBI doing warrants too. It's not just the you know child exploitation task force or whatever. So if oh, people have questions about that, is there any? And we've got about three and a half minutes. Is there any information on that side of it that you might have or? Yeah, I was the SWAT team commander here in Tampa for uh, some years before I retired, and I was I'd done 20 years on SWAT in different divisions. It's up to the supervisor or the case agent to request the use of the SWAT team. Uh, the problem is guys like this that are doing crimes like this have everything to lose. Uh, they're, they're public personas that they're upstanding citizens and they're great neighbors and they're nice guys. In fact, behind closed doors, they're involved in child porn and child abuse and child rape, uh, things like that. So they have a lot to lose, and which makes them more, excuse me, more dangerous than five-time bank robber that knows what going to jail is about and is not scared of going to jail. Uh, this, in this case, understand uh, he did use the camera, fired multiple shots with a high-powered rifle through the door and through the, the agent's body armor, which had to be a high-powered rifle. Nothing else would have penetrated both a solid exterior door and the body armor. As far as uh, not having the SWAT team, Miami has what's called an enhanced team. It's one of the larger SWAT teams. It's one of the top 12 offices in the Bureau, so it's got one of the larger SWAT teams, but they can't be everywhere. And, and like the SAC said, they do so many warrants every day, drugs, bank robberies, gangs, all these things that uh, they weren't there. And who knows if their being there would have made any difference given the advantage this guy had from the um, doorbell camera. I have one myself that's got a ring, or that's got a motion sensor on it. Every time somebody comes into my yard, I know what it is. Good point. Now, Chief Newman, we've got about a minute and a half. The floor is yours. You know, I know regionally, whether it's uh, the FBI or the ICAC uh, task force, Internet Crimes Against Children, there's a lot of search warrants that get done because we get called about it. You know, being in the educational world where I'm at now, they're always wondering, you know, confirming to make sure certain students are at school or they, you know, they got, com you know, a, a complaint about somebody might be involved, and I, it, the number is very frequent. I can't give you an exactly like in the aggregate, but throughout the whole year, I, there, you know, at least a dozen or a dozen times, we're helping out both the federal and the state and the local cops with these types of crimes, with these search warrants, and sometimes, sadly, it involves either one of our, you know, our children or, or their family members. So I know it's, it's in the area, it's very robust. Thanks, Chief. You know, I, I just was hoping that when I heard the story and that it was, I, I believe it was a complex where they had like a guard gate or whatever, like an apartment complex or something. I was just hoping that when they came through the executed, that the bad guy did not get a phone call, you know, um, you know, tipping him off. So, but I'm sure they'll come up with that if that, if that happened. Um, guys, are there um, any more comments on this? We've got uh, roughly about 15 seconds or anything. If there's nothing from anybody, I'll wet the appetite. Well, no, John Newman, go ahead. You got a, you got a few seconds. Yeah, well, we, 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 yeah, we come back on the other side of the break, and we, we, you know, we talked about what these cameras are going to do for law enforcement in a recent case. So when we get back on the other side of the break, let's let's pick that up. Okay, you yes, got please. it. Yes, please. 
All right, guys. Well, look, uh, we'll do that. We're going to take a commercial break, but we'll be right back. Now, I want to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Inefficiencies can negatively affect your staff's production and morale, as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's Extra Duty Off-Duty Employment Program, it can be profitable. While you still control your program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer at no cost to your agency while taking on all the administrative uh, burden and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. The officers most eligible to work the assignments get priority, and they paid out over $50 million in extra duty work within the past 12 months. Visit them today at extradutysolutions.com. And I'd also like you to check out Calm Case Management's NIBRS compliant records management application and their applicant tracking solution. Some of the biggest clients are Chicago PD, New Orleans PD, but their typical agency has only 15 to 30 investigators. Now, their data is easy to enter in the manage. You can quickly drag any size attachment, including video, into a case from your desktop, laptop, or even your smartphone. They also have a 24-hour help desk. For a limited time, you can mention Leo Roundtable for a free two-year subscription. Visit columncase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at columncase.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Okay, guys, let's talk about the camera. I know Chief Newman, David D. Gresta, you guys are uh, next in line. Go ahead. You, Go ahead, John, uh, finish. A few, okay, a few years ago, when we were talking about the uh, the Route 91 shooting with Stephen Paddock right out in Vegas, right? Killed 60 people, injured something like 400. A unique thing that he had the wherewithal to set up two cameras in the hallway um, so he can see, you know, law enforcement or someone, you know, before they breach the door. Ring cameras and, and those types of uh, devices, they're, according to, you know, some of the articles I've read, they're in probably 50% of your households. What we used to teach about not being in front of the door doesn't matter anymore, right? You know, they see you coming way before that. Now, it, it's a benefit because law enforcement uses those cameras to help solve crime. But the, the approach to a door and the approach to a house has been flipped on its head with these types of devices. And, you know, something's got to be done in terms of how we approach and why we approach and do we need to go to the front door? Because now it's just not the front door camera. You've got cameras all over the place, and they're, the, they're no longer cost prohibitive. The average family can afford them. And I'm, I'm curious to see what the response is going to be because – it's going to impact every warrant that you do, um, and it's going to the proliferation of this, these devices are. It's only going to get a lot more. So you know, it, it, we, we, it was a novelty when we were talking about it with the Vegas shooting and Stephen Paddock, but now it seems like an everyday issue law enforcement's dealing with. Thanks, Chief. All right, David. You know, and, and, uh, and David, as you're going, I I'm not going to read the whole article, but we also in Baltimore we had a U.S. marshal that was shot. Um, within 24-hour period of that, I think, and uh, was shot, you know, executing a, a warrant also. And uh, he's not out of the woods yet either. It's serious. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't part of your parcel to the preparation of this warrant. And listening to Brian talk and and the guys that have experience in that field with that type of crime um, and the volume that that uh, John talked about. You start to wonder. My my mind starts to go to the office, 
and I see, you know, the, the computer work that goes into the preparing and the identification of these people, and then the preparation of the warrant for the location that the IP address comes back and, the, and, the, and so on and so forth. My question becomes, to John's point, is that when we did warrants, there was always a, a pre-surveillance. We went out and looked at the scene. We checked the house. We looked at the apartment. We looked at the condo. We did some, some, some undercover surveillance of the location. We gathered as much information as we could on that location before we executed that warrant. And for, when I was doing it, it was, it was all narcotics or mostly, mostly narcotics. Um, and the, the advent of cameras, they, were, they were, were in some use back then. There was some there. And, and like the article says, a lot of judges would look at, at your warrant and the fact that the person had a camera mounted outside their house was almost like that indicator, like, oh, okay, yeah, there you go, sign the oh, warrant, have a nice day. Right. So knowing that there's cameras in place, you would hope that tactics would have already evolved to take those things into consideration. Um, and like I said, I wasn't there. I didn't see the setup. I didn't see. I didn't see the approach to the house. But it's it's kind of a little bit startling to see that law enforcement has not reacted to this as much as what it would appear that they should have when it comes to everybody having a camera. There, we know that we're constantly being filmed by everybody. So to, to have that in your mind and then to to not build that in somehow to the, to the way that you approach a property, and I, I have no idea of the layout. I'm not sure, I, you know, I wasn't there to see what they were up against, but there's gotta yeah, be more the done in those ways to, to uh, offset that threat. I couldn't agree with you more, Dave. Uh, this was a, a one-story apartment building that uh, they were hitting I don't know if it had multiple entrances. If if it comes to that point, we may have to start using tactical teams with explosive entries to make our own entry points somewhere else besides the door, besides where a camera is. We have been working on, and I don't want to give away anything to, to the bad guys, but we've been working on ways to jam uh, Bluetooth signals from those cameras. Um, we used to, what we used to do with uh, street lights and stuff when we were hitting drug places and all was simply with a suppressed MP5, shoot the light out. Uh, you could do the same thing with a, with a ring camera. Uh, that might give them a clue that something's going on, but they certainly wouldn't be able to see where you were. Uh, but there has been some technical uh, efforts made in order to uh, block or jam these uh, these cam, these kinds of cam door cameras, uh, to make it all safer for officers. All right, interesting information. Now we've got uh, just uh, about a minute and a half. Andrea, do you want to you want to um, share your wealth with us, sir? I just think that it changes law enforcement in general. I think that um, everyday calls, I, you know, there needs to be training. There needs to be, I think it's been something that's been taken for granted for a long time. They were slowly but surely, you know, introducing the ring cameras and different surveillance like that. I don't think that there's any training for people on the street other than to collect, use, use those cameras to collect evidence. 
to approach a household on a regular call. I may be wrong. I'd be interested to talk to a few people on the street, but I'm sure that they would say that, you know, other than, you know, just knowing that it's there, knowing that it might be there, always expecting it, I think that's something that probably should be added into training. And I think it's interesting how we're trying to take law enforcement out of a lot of calls, add social workers in, but yet now we're going to need more tactical teams to approach, you know, residences and stuff. I, I just think there's such a contradiction on, on you know where we need law enforcement we need to be aware of all of these things they're not going to assume if you're going there as a social worker you're not going to assume that there's cameras or the dangers of all those things i mean you need to constantly be on your toes so i just find it interesting where we kind of need more law enforcement but yet they want us to back off when it comes to a lot of situations thanks andrea and andrea i apologize the whole time you were talking i i have i'm keep thinking about that post of the female made on youtube telling you to go back and work at hooters and I just, I don't know. I just apologize. Thanks, I just... thanks Chip. I probably make more money there. That's it. Maybe, maybe I'll put an application. Tell her, thank you very much. Good idea. Hey, I needed a 15-second plug. It's the only thing I can come up with. Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, let's take another commercial break. We'll be uh, right back. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com, it's the first and only company that offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and complete and competent certified firearm specialists. Now they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leo's need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Now we're moving on to another topic and it's an update. It's on policeone.com, U.S. Capitol Police officer who shot a rioter should not be charged, investigators advise. And of course, yes, we're talking about the Capitol. We remember that shot. We covered it extensively on the show. So the articles in Washington, investigators have advised that prosecutors, uh, they've advised them not to charge the U.S. Capitol Police officer in the shooting death of a rioter. And this is in the Wall Street Journal. And the officer shot Ashley Babbitt inside the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. And they call them the pro-Trump rioters, but I think that we've established that since this was planned days in advance by some insurgent groups, that it's really not so much the pro-Trump rioters uh, that they stormed the building, though. So according to CNN, which is another questionable source, Justice Department officials uh, could make a final decision in the coming days. The shooting remains under investigation by the D.C. Metropolitan Police, the U.S. Attorney's Office in in Washington, D.C., and civil rights prosecutors. And the video shows Babbitt, the female, trying to breach a doorway with a crowd of other rioters when she was shot. Um, interesting article. 
Guys, any uh, any comments on that or any surprises? The way this crowd was, uh, you know, chanting "kill so and so" in Congress, uh, if he felt that was necessary in order to protect those people from getting inside to uh, reach those Congress people that uh, they were threatening, I think it's justified use of force. Now, thank you, Brian. Now, Brian, a lot of people on the show. Um, don't know it, but is it fair to say that you're a use of force expert and that you're hired to give your um, expert opinion on use of force situations? That is uh, one of the things that I've done since retirement is uh, uh, worked on behalf of law enforcement officers all over the country uh, in use of force cases, uh, defending, defending cops that have uh, either gotten involved in either civil suits or criminal suit cases uh, over use of force. So, yeah, I've spent a lot of my time uh, doing use of force uh, in research. So you're so you saying that it's not just like anybody saying that. So I'm saying this for the benefit of our listeners that are hearing these words come out of your mouth to not take it lightly coming from you because this is your wheelhouse. This is what you do. Now, um, I know that we had a couple of other open mics. Is there anybody else that wanted to uh, jump in on this before we uh, we move on? Captain Brett? I absolutely agree with it. We talked about this a few weeks ago, when they're, when they're piercing that door, when they're coming into the chambers where the people who represent us are, are there, that is an assault on us individually and as, as a country. What's interesting is when she got shot <clears throat> and as it panned back, there were other armed officers outside there. They, it looked like they were uh, uh, a SWAT or something. Some they had long rifles. They had, so if, if the people they were trying to get through there weren't afraid of those people, then imagine what they would do when they get inside. So I think absolutely that. I think that it's unfortunate, it's tragic. She shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have done it. But I think that she was absolutely justified. I'm surprised more people didn't get shot because those doors are the last bastion of, of, of freedom, in, in my eyes, because it represents the United States of America, and these people are piercing that, that, that boundary. And, and I, I think I would have shot one or two more of them. Yeah, thanks, Cap. Now, and, wow. and with all due respect, yes, Corporal David, I, if memory serves me correctly, I believe you had a whole different take on this thing. Yeah, and still do. Um, since when is it justified to use deadly force when a door is being threatened? It's usually the life of, an, of another person or your life. So you have three other officers, and I'll use three. I think it was three other armed officers that were in amongst the crowd that did not feel it necessary to use deadly force. They weren't threatened, didn't feel threatened, didn't feel anybody else was threatened. And these were tactical officers or what it appeared to be. I, I don't know who they were, but it appeared to be. Now you have a, a, a second officer or another officer, the fourth, the shooting officer, behind a, um, a structurally uh, bolstered doorway with glass. And it's not just any glass, it's, 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 it's a heavier glass, it takes more to break, and that was obvious from the amount of effort that the rioters had to put into breaking it. It was somewhat barricaded with furniture and the like. There was nobody coming through the door. There was no one on the other side of the door except for the officer. If the three officers outside in the crowd did not feel threatened enough to use deadly force or any force on anyone, yet the officer behind the door did, and Brett's pointed this out a bunch of other times when if there was no sympathetic fire or anything, that was just a good thing. 
But if you have an officer that's behind a barricade that chooses to fire and officers that are not behind a barricade that are in amongst these violent people not that did not fire, I'm waiting for that same, uh, I guess it's not going to happen, that same prosecutor to say, why? What, whose life was in danger? Whose life was in imminent threat of being attacked? Who's, whose life? Who, who was in danger? And if you say it was the officer behind the door, then what about the officers that were outside the door? How does, where's the balance here? So I, I still have a huge problem with it. If the federal prosecutors go down that road, that's their choice. That's, that's okay. But, um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Brett to a degree on the capital itself and what it is, what it means, and so on and so forth. I get that. But there's got to be, and, and, and maybe Brian will address it, there, there's got to be a, a specific law that says if you breach this door, deadly force is, is authorized. Um, you know, but the, the, the totality of the circumstances just don't sit with me as far as that shooting was concerned. And why did he shoot her? Was he aiming for her? Or was he aiming for somebody else? Was he just shooting into the crowd or did he have her picked out? And what was she doing if, if he did it right and he picked out an individual that he fired at, which, my God, I hope he did, then what was it exactly that she was doing that was a threat, an imminent threat to someone else's life or safety? And, you, I, and I'm yeah. not buying the, well, the, 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 the senators were, you know, in three down the hall and three rooms over and barricaded it. No, that, no, that's All not right. an imminent threat. So, sorry, not, not right, buying that one. I know, we, and thanks, David. I know we got some open mics. Just, just for the sake of time here, we've got about three and a half minutes before we take our next commercial break. We are about 30 minutes into the show. We've used up uh, one third of our time. We've only covered two topics. I have the 15 to oh, 20 well. topics. So we have to, we have to move. So I know we got Brian, Brett, and Andrea's mics are open, or at least they were. So guys, go ahead, and if you can address uh, David's thing, and we'll move on. Go ahead, Brian. What, uh, what, David? Would you have had? Uh that officer do stand back and let him break through the door. And at that point, he's uh, unable to do anything to stop, uh, to protect himself or anyone else in that building. They breached that door, they own the building and everybody in it. Yes, and I agree with that. There has to be a line drawn, but, but the question becomes, is everybody got the same line? If there's three officers outside the door that have not seen the need to use deadly force, and one inside the door that does, who is drawing the line? Um, that's where the question comes in. If all, if all four officers had said, yep, there's the line, and all four had opened fire, and they all said, this is what the rules are in the Capitol, this is, if you, draw, if you cross this line, it, it, deadly force is, is authorized, I'd have said, perfect, absolutely fine. Well, but the, that's the, not the, what happened. They were so much yelling, the guys outside couldn't communicate with the guys inside. It's a brand new thing. I mean, who would have thought this would ever happen? So we've got a brand new event. Keep in mind that whatever that whatever that officer who fired that shot is thinking, that has merit. Because whatever their brain is telling us going on, that's their truth. And we have to take that into account. So mm -hmm. it, it's just it's just a different perspective. They maybe he heard the screaming and the shouting. 
he thought it was being directed against them. They were coming through. We got the voices. We have the anger. We have this brand new situation that's never been encountered before. Nobody planned for it. There's no communication. So even though those guys are out there, they have a different perspective. Maybe they're better trained. Maybe they see the whole picture. But that guy who's behind that door, behind that window, and those people are coming in, his, his brain is telling this is a bad mojo, uh, and, I, and I, I'm in danger. I would love to hear from that officer one of these days to find out and, and have them articulate, like we articulate, what were you thinking, what were you seeing? Look at Dave, like the three officers are to, about which you're, you're speaking outside were from a different agency. The, the uniforms were, were certainly different, uh, as you pointed out. They, their goal or their job may not be protecting that capital. It may not be protecting that, drawing that line and saying, no, nobody can cross this line. I'm the final bastion. That might not have been their jobs, so they might not have had that same perspective that Brett was talking about that the officer that fired had. That may be why those officers outside didn't do so. They may not think in those terms about the Capitol and about that particular barricade or that point of entry. All right. Well, thank you, Brian. Hey, we're going to take another commercial break, but we'll be right back. Now, the Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically when the officer's gun is pulled from the holster, providing an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, overcoming inherent issues with body cams. Now, the Fact Duty, that's the FACT duty, employs a 1080p, full high-definition digital camera, has a microphone, 500-lumen tactical light. It's less expensive at data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. You can get more information on the fact duty at gun-camera.com. And we'd also like to talk to you about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement and Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. We all know that there is a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Guardian has developed a CGIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. With Guardian, the entire background process is more comprehensive and much faster for both the agency and the applicants. No upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend visiting the day at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Guys, on the last topic that we were talking about, is there anything else from anybody? I, I appreciate everyone's time and answering the questions, especially, uh, especially you, Brian. Andrea, did you want to add something? Yeah, I just want to say real quick, you know, I agree with Dave on the fact that I want to know what was specific about her. I guess that's a big thing is I would love to hear from the officer. I just feel like they made um, a decision rather quickly compared to a lot of other cases on whether or not they were going to try him. Not saying that he should be tried, but I do think that um, it was a little bit quicker than maybe we would hear about some other cases. But I think that it's that the pro-Trump um, you know, people that were breaching the Capitol, I think that was the big thing is those words. Take those words out of it, you know, take out the pro-Trump. You'll see it um, even for the Super Bowl. You got the pro-Buccaneers um, or the Buccaneers fans, you know, we're, we're creating, you know, havoc on the streets. You know, take out all that stuff. You don't know who half these people are. We haven't figured it out. Is Black Lives Matter, Antifa, who, who was it? You don't know. So take out those words. I do think that that kind of makes a difference in a lot of these, um, these things that they're 
you know, if it didn't say pro-Trump, maybe just, you know, if somebody breached the Capitol, I think it's easier for them to just jump ahead since, you know, Trump created this whole issue in their mind. Thanks, Andrea. I'm glad you said that. Uh, Brian, why don't you close us out on this? A few years ago, if you recall, there was somebody that uh, tried to breach the gates down at McDill Air Force Base. There was an FBI agent who had uh, been down there working out. It was just getting ready to leave uh, the base to the same gate, saw the breach and got out with his M4 and shot and killed the guy. Uh, there's the use of deadly force to protect certain U.S. facilities is, is justified. Uh, there have been other cases with shootings at military-based gates uh, that there does, if, if the facility's breached, they use deadly force. All right. Well, that's good. Thank you. And I, I have no problem with that, but interesting information. So thanks, Brian. Now, on policeone.com, a video is associated with this, our first video for this evening, man in New York City's Times Square pulls a gun on cops. Now, the article written says the Pennsylvania man, he was dancing in Times Square, pulled a gun on two police officers when they approached him. And uh, they say the video was startling and released on Wednesday. Now, Dominic Francis, 28 years old of Philadelphia, is now facing gun possession and menacing charges uh, for what happened on Sunday. Cops first spotted him. He's 28 years old. Uh, striking a pose near his white car with music blaring from the speakers, but it was three o'clock in the morning. Body camera footage, it shows Francis casually strolling over to the officers as they walk by the car. Then he pulls a gun, it's on video, and he pulls it from his waistband. So the cops start screaming, whoa, you know, he's, he's surprised about it. They pull out their guns. He immediately drops his pistol, he falls to the ground. Now, I thought that he'd either, either been shot or tasered because he went, you know, straight down. They asked what the F was wrong with him, and uh, one cop says that he's handcuffing him, the, and uh, they asked him if it's a BB gun, and he's laying face down in the street, and he says, no, sir, you know, that it was not a BB gun. So he was communicating with them at that point. Um, but uh, any any comments about that video or um, surprises? I know we're talking New York, David, but what do you think? No, I think, I mean, watching the video, um, and I did it without the sound, and just watched the movements of the guy that was approaching the cop, and from the speed that the, that the officer brought his weapon to bear, um, it, it was fairly obvious that he was watching all the key points that he needed to watch in that situation. Um, as that guy was bringing his gun out, that, that officer had his gun up in the view of the body camera very quickly and on point. So he must have been watching this guy, what he was supposed to be watching. And the whoa, whoa stuff, I think was just a, a, a verbal reaction. I don't oh, yeah. think it was. I don't think he was surprised at all. I think he saw it coming and reacted appropriately. Well, oh, excellent, excellent. All right, uh, Chief Newman, Brett Barlin. Hey, if we would have had a, a Viridian gun camera, uh, we would have had a better video, I think, on this. But uh, Chief and Captain, go ahead. No, I agree. I agree. I think he was looking at that guy the second he started approaching him. It, it didn't feel right, you know. And he was he was quick to go to gun. Um, you know, at least the guy's getting charged and not you know not getting a toe tag at the morgue. Thought the officer did a great job. I agree with David. He knew something was up just by the the quickness that he got on on you know in the pocket and stayed there. All right, thanks, Cap uh, or Chief. Sorry, I demoted you for a second. Uh, Cap Captain Bartlett, go ahead. Yeah, being a captain, that's a horrible thing. Yeah, thanks, you appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, first off, first off, I didn't know NYPD carried six hours. I was surprised. I thought they were a block agency. Secondly, the, 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 the officer, good observations, good draw on the gun. 
let's let's dig deep into the into his verbal commands. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> now, now listen, listen. That is again, you know, I wasn't there. It's hard to second guess. But not a lot of agency, not a lot of officers are trained on giving what are called alpha commands, which is stop, police, don't move. So it, I'm not surprised that what comes out of their head is what's called a beta command, which is it's on the same line as uh, don't make me do it, don't get stupid. That's a beta command. It doesn't do you any good. So if he's not trained to say, stop, please don't move, then what's going to come out of his head is just whatever is running through it at the moment. So just a small point. I mean, he did a good job, and nobody got, you know, other than got a little execution, they're no big deal. But the whole whoa, whoa, that is just, that is an untrained voice not knowing what to say at the moment. So it says whatever it wants. And that's, again, that's not a criticism. That's just, that's just the way it is. All right. I, I obviously thought you were going down a different road, uh, Captain, with that and cracking a joke. So my, I'm, I'm sorry. It was a serious sight of Captain Brett Bartlett. We don't get to see that often. Everybody on this live show, you just witnessed it. It's an amazing event. I know we'll probably, yes, yeah, we're probably, the chatter on the live YouTube stream right now is just going to be going crazy, I know. All right. Thanks, Captain. We've got a, a, a few minutes left. I'm going to start off and whet the appetite with this next article, get as much uh, as through it as I can. And uh, you know what, actually, I might just, uh, you know, we've only got three and a half minutes, and I think we have to, to end with this segment. So let me do this. I'm going to make a command decision here and go with a, a uh, different article here. I'm going to go with an update. Police one, Atlanta police officers are fired for using tasers on college students, and they have been reinstated. So, of course, Atlanta, Atlanta police officers who were fired after using their tasers on two college students during uh, last summer's protest downtown have been reinstated. Now, the Civil Service Board ruled that the city did not follow the personnel regulations of the Atlanta Code of Ordinances. In the dismissal of these officers, it's Mark, Mark Gardner and Ivory Streeter, and they were let go one day after the incident that happened on May 31st. And I think a lot of it had to do with the viral nature of the video. Um, and we, and I don't remember if we actually had time to cover it on the show or not, but I remember seeing the video and it being on the lineup. Now the video shows the officers forcibly extracting Spellman, college junior, Tania Pilgrim, 20 years old. And so gets her out of the car and onto the pavement, and she's stunned with the tasers repeatedly. And then the driver, 22-year-old Messiah Young, he's a senior at Morehouse College, also stunned with tasers and arrested. Now, police told them really to get out of the city. Uh, they're making an excuse. The article is that the traffic was thick. It was hard for them to comply with officers' commands to leave. And the students, they were, they remember, this is when the curfew was out, and they were violating curfew. And uh, according to the cop's lawyer, Lance LaRosso, now, the officers feared there was a gun inside the car. They didn't find one, though. And LaRosso says that the lawful use of force is never going to look good on video, which is what David DeGrest always says. You have to be trained to understand why the officers were doing what they were doing. There was a clear rush to judgment. So former Atlanta Police Chief Erica Shields said that the decision to fire the officers was made under extraordinary circumstances. Uh, says uh, Shields testified the city officials were afraid the students' arrest would only fuel mounting outrage against the police. The circumstances were exceptional. We did it. I did it. This is the chief talking. Uh, I did what I had to do to make sure the city was stabilized. The officers were not given the usual five days to respond to the allegations against them, and the city trampled over their rights. So just crazy. Uh, Brett, we've got roughly, um, I guess, a minute and 15 seconds, and uh, and then Brian. So we're going we're gonna to take it all the way up uh, to the minute and eight seconds. So go ahead, guys. Well, quit talking. <clears throat> here's, what the, here's what the guys are trying to say, and I love this. 
Lawful use of force is never going to look good on video. We've said this so many times. You never walk away from a video going, oh, that was nice. But here's what I think is astonishing still. Talking about the police chief. In her testimony before the board, former Atlanta Police Department Erica Shields said the decision to fire the officer was made under extraordinary circumstances. Haven't I said this a million times? The department will sacrifice an officer on the altar of public perception, and that's exactly what happened. Notice this, Chip. The Atlanta Police Department's still alive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We yeah. got uh, 25 seconds. Go ahead, uh, Chief and Brian. Okay. Brian, There's three kinds of justice at this point. There's criminal justice, civil justice, and this summer, since the last uh, May, we've added street justice, which doesn't follow any of the either to either of the other two, and that's what some of these politicians are catering to. All right. Well, Brian, or uh, Chief Newman, uh, we don't have time to, to get to your comment. I apologize, uh, but guys, we'll be right back after this commercial break. We've ended the first half of the show. We do have some radio stations now that are covering the one-hour version of our show, which we just completed. So we've got an hour left. I'm talking, you know, radio time, 40 minutes of content and 20 minutes of commercial news and traffic. So, uh, but it's a good opportunity for these one-hour stations to be able to carry our content. So uh, we love having them. So, and uh, so we're going to be moving to the second half of the show. I am going to get to that article that we were getting ready to.